The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it is Friday. May 6th, 2022. It is a heck of a morning here on MMA Fighting's Twitter Spaces. And soon to be on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Thank you for joining us. We are on the eve of UFC 274, which should be quite the event. The top three fights are fantastic. The other main card fights are really interesting in their own ways could be fun could be really sad if we're being honest we just got a good competitive card but the top three fights are mock just tremendous of course if you're a fan of bellator mma they're in paris france bellator 280 goes down later on today i believe the prelims start at 12 30 p.m eastern standard time which is right smack dab in the middle of the UFC 274 weigh-ins, which, by the way, you can watch live on the MMA Fighting YouTube channel at noon Eastern. This is like AK's Christmas. He had to take two days off to prepare for this. This is this is what he lives for, these types of things. The Toronto Raptors, rules, and weigh-in shows. All right? But this is a free-for-all Friday. So if you're new to the show, it means Fridays, they're all you. We're going to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. We can talk about 274. We can talk about Bellator. We can talk about big fights. We can talk about whatever you want. But I need you because I have nothing prepared today. I have nothing prepared. I usually don't have anything prepared. I usually have an idea of what I'm going to talk about. But today I got nothing because it's your show. It's a free-for-all Friday. Okay? Don't make me talk about Usman Canelo and Henry Cejudo. I don't want to do that. I'm going to get fired up. Trying to be calm, cool, and collected today. All right, let's get into this. Dax, you were the first in line, my man. What's going on? Um, so I got two questions. One that's quick, though. Don't worry. Um, so I've been hearing a lot of talk about how if whoever wins in the main event on Saturday, uh, or whoever wins, they're just going to get you know run over by Islam later in the year. Why is that such a guarantee? You know, Charles Oliveira, I'm a huge fan of, and he's beaten way better competition than 
Dan Hooker and Bobby Green. So why is that just a guarantee? Even the sports books. Um, and the other thing is, why does Dana just keep going to these you know, southern and western and New York places? Come to some Midwest, some Canada cards, you know? That's about it. Dax, you're the man. Thanks for kicking us off. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that the other day as well. Listen, Islam, Islam might be the best lightweight in the world. But to your point, we don't really know that because he hasn't really been tested. He hasn't really gotten that 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 big time test. Now, this is through no fault of his own. It's not like he's out there calling out Bobby Green. And this is no disrespect to Bobby Green, because Bobby Green's an absolute gangster for stepping up and taking that fight on short notice. And this is no disrespect to Dan Hooker. He was I mean, and at the same time, he was supposed to fight Benil Dariush before he was he ended up fighting Bobby Green. Benil got hurt. That was a massive fight this year. Remember when that fight was booked, how we reacted to that? Something tells me, because a lot of people feel like Islam's just going to get the winner of this fight. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think Islam will fight in October, and I would not be shocked if the UFC just went back and rebooked Benil Dariush versus Islam Makachev. And there's no guarantee Islam wins that fight. There's no guarantee Islam wins that fight. That's a very competitive fight between two surging guys who, quite frankly, aren't appreciated enough. One of those two guys might be the best lightweight in the world. Who knows? So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, Islam's good, but he hasn't fought a top five. He does not have that top five win yet. So if you wanted to make the argument, even like I said after the Bobby Green win, he should have just got the title shot. He probably should have got it before even being booked with Benil. I just... I think you just got to give the man a shot. He got some buzz. I feel like he'd be favored against anybody. He'd be favored against Oliveri, be favored against Gage. He'd be favored against anybody in this division. He's the favorite against every guy in this division right now. But I still need to see a top five win on his resume before I can confidently say that he is unequivocally the best lightweight in the world. And as far as the UFC's travel schedule. Look, Dana has said this for the last year. We're going to Texas. We're going to Florida. We're going to Arizona. And we're going to Vegas. We can sprinkle in somewhere else. Cool. They ended up in Columbus, Ohio. They're going to Austin, Texas. But now things are starting to get back to normal. So they've been to MSG. They're talking about the July 30th card. I mean, if, if you looked at the... Uh, the war room screenshots there, Chicago, Dallas, Boston, all seem to be in consideration for that card. And I know you want a card in, in Canada. Dana did mention that Toronto is, is on the list of, of places they're trying to get to this year. So there's not a lot of things that Dana says that I take completely seriously, if we're being honest. But Dana talking about cities that his promotion is going to travel to. Yeah, I, I buy that. I buy it. Christopher, good morning, my man. Heck of a morning, Mike. How's it going? Indeed. <laughs> What's up, Yeah, not, not much, man. Um, yeah, first I just wanted to, I kind of never do this. I just wanted to thank you guys for like what you do with Heck of a Morning. It's like, for me, it's 1 p.m. in the UK. So I tend to listen to these on my lunch break. So they kind of help me get through the day. Um, so yeah, thank you for that. 
Um, the what I wanted to come in today and ask you is actually about the Melissa Gatto and Tracy Cortez fight. Just wondering, what are your thoughts on that fight? How do you see it going? I mean, Gatto's opened up as I think she's still a slight underdog going into the fight. I think she might be better than Cortez. I mean, her she she might be better on the ground. She's definitely great off her back. I think in the striking department, she probably has Cortez beat. Um, so I'm just wondering, like, yeah, what is your read on that fight? Do you agree with the betting lines and, and how do you see it going? Thank you, Christopher, for the question and the kind words. Uh, love hearing that. That's why we're doing this show. It's it's weird. Just, you know, I, I when I do this, I, I'm just like, oh, man, people have to wake up at 8 a.m. And then I don't even think about the guy, the folks on the West Coast who are like 5 a.m. or even further west. Like if you're in Hawaii, it's like, I don't know, like 3 a.m. right now. I don't know. I'm not good with those kinds of time zones. But so right now, according to our good friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, Tracy Cortez is a minus 145 favorite, and the comeback on Melissa Gatto is plus 125. So to me, this has 50 50 fight written all over it. Uh, I think Gatto, I don't know. Like, I, I think Cortez doesn't get enough credit. I think she's, she's solid. Her wrestling is really good. And here's the thing she is a big 25er. She's a big 25er. She's very muscular. She's very athletic. She's most of, I think, all but her last fight in, in the UFC, we're at 135, and she was ragdolling girls at 135. So she's strong. She's tenacious, and she has a lot to fight for. Most Gato is just, is just really good. So to me, from a betting perspective, this is, this is dog all day. Um, not, it's not like my official pick, but, if someone's forcing me to put action on this fight and put it on one of these women, I'm putting it on Melissa Gatto at plus money because I think it's a 50, 50 fight. I think it's very close. This has split split decision written all over it. Uh, I'm going to go Melissa Gatto to get the win here. But again, I know like, I know this comes up often and oftentimes there's some semblance of truth to this. You got to remember where this fight's taking place, okay? There is going to be a very pro-Tracy Cortez crowd in Phoenix, and it depends on who's sitting in those three chairs, okay? Because oftentimes the crowd can sway how judges view fights. So if Tracy Cortez swings and misses a punch by 11 feet, the crowd is still going to chair because she threw a punch. So we got to keep that in mind. Uh, having said that, I think Melissa Gatto will win. I think we'll all come out of it feeling like she won like 29-28, and then we're going to get a split decision. And I guarantee you that either myself or my best friend, A.K. Lee, who is sitting here right now just preparing himself for weigh-in fun, is going to call up the judge and be like, what friggin' fight were you watching? But I think it's going to be a close, competitive, hard, grueling fight. Give me the, give me the underdog to get it done. Mike Spineson. Mike and Mike. A lot of Mike's in the request line here. Mike, just make sure you're on mute, man, and uh, fire when ready. Hey, how's it going? Good. Good. Um, listen, I got two things I wanted to ask you about. The first one was, and I, I'm sure somebody else has mentioned this, but I, I listened to all the Tony Ferguson is washed discussion, and I mean, the optics of the last three fights aren't great, but look at the competition. You've got the two guys fighting for the belt and another guy who hasn't lost in five years. 
one of those fights, the Gaethje fight, if that second round is 15 seconds longer, it might be over. So I, I don't like the four to one line on, um, on Chandler in that fight. Uh, and a lot of that, you know, is, there's an emotional element to that too, where there's nothing like a Tony Ferguson fight week. So I want to see the guy continue. I want to know your thoughts on that. And the second thing, wondering um, if you had any intel into when the start of the next season of Contender Series would be. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. Uh, to answer your second question, my guess would be July. I don't know. I don't know if they'll do it. Like maybe late June. I don't know. That'd be a great. If they did the first contender series card on international fight week, that'd be pretty damn cool. But as far as like an exact date of when we're going to start, not a hundred percent sure. Um, I assume that the next Nevada commission meeting, there will be hopes to get all those cards approved by the commission, which they obviously will, since they're going to be at the freaking apex. Uh, it'll be a summertime thing. Uh, I don't know if they'll do. T- I don't know if they'll do the two-parter again. The one thing I don't want to happen to the contender series is that it gets completely watered down. Last season, AK can understand this. I know he's listening right now. He AK is our tough guy. He's our ultimate fighter guy. All of us, none of us want to, none of us want to cover the ultimate fighter. AK is all about it. Let's go. Give me some tough in my life. How he feels about the ultimate fighter. I have always felt about the contender series. I love the, the concept. I think there's ways to improve it. Like instead of just releasing fighters, I would love to see fighters in the UFC on like three fight losing streaks, headline a contender series card winner stays on the roster and the losers out, like give them a chance to fight for their, for their contract. I love that idea. Uh, I'd love a tournament concept for the contender series to kind of spread things out a little bit. There's ways you can improve it. But to me, tough has just been so watered down. It's the same show. It has been for 30 freaking seasons. We're still wearing basketball jerseys for Christ's sake. It's the same show. It's the same show. Now, I don't want this to happen to the contender series, and I don't want every fighter who goes in to a contender series fight that wins to get a contract. Like it, like the first two seasons of contender series, it wasn't just like you had to go there in there and win. You had to go and knock everybody's socks off. There were certain fighters who got like quick finishes on the contender series that got contracts that probably shouldn't have. And there were fighters on the contender series who got dominant decision wins who didn't get contracts because they didn't get finishes or they went for takedowns too late in the fight. Brandon Lochnane, perfect example. Probably should have got a shot in the UFC. Anthony Romero, perfect example. Probably should have got a shot in the UFC. Austin Vanderford, like for sure, should have been signed in the UFC. I think we understand why he didn't get signed. But you, you understand where I'm going with this. I just don't want contender series to get watered down. I don't want to see, let's do six weeks in the summer, take a month or two off, and then come back in the, in the fall, early winter. I don't want to see that. Just go on an eight-week run and call it a day. Give away your contracts and be done with it. Uh, and I'll watch it because I love it. For your first question, Mike, Tony Ferguson. Yes, look, the Tony Ferguson is wash thing. It's a very popular narrative. Yes, the level of competition has been incredible. He, here's the thing that war, like I understand the level of competition is incredible. 
He's had his moments in the Justin Gaethje fight, like very few. He's still super durable. I mean, he took an absolutely hellacious beating in that Justin Gaethje fight. If you guys have it, like if you're newer fans, like if you just got into the UFC in like the last, I don't know, year maybe, and you didn't see the fight between Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje at UFC 249, you want to watch something that is just as just the most gnarly thing you've ever seen. That's probably the fight to watch. This is one of the early shows where there's no crowd. They're in a huge arena that seats like eighteen thousand people, but there's literally nobody there. And you hear, like, you literally, <clears throat> excuse me, can hear every shot that lands. It's like it's very bizarre. It's very bizarre, and you just you kind of you kind of were achy and sore after watching it because you almost felt every shot Gaethje was landing on Tony Ferguson. And these weren't like pitter-patter shots. These were hard, ferocious strikes that this man was landing on Tony Ferguson. It was unbelievable to watch. I've gone back and watched it since because I'm a sicko. But I'm telling like it's just really bizarre. And fighting Justin Gaethje is never easy. It's never easy like when you're actually fighting Justin Gaethje. But it's never easy after you're fighting Justin Gaethje. Just ask the guys who have fought Justin Gaethje, win or lose, except for Habib. But you understand, like Eddie Alvarez, perfect example. Eddie Alvarez beat Justin Gaethje, but his career was never the same after that. Tony Ferguson career has not been the same. Tony Ferguson hasn't won a round in three years. Keep that in mind. Like he hasn't even been competitive. I will say this: Tony Ferguson, despite the losing streak he's on despite how people feel about him is the star of the week. And it's not even close. I don't like to go by. I mean, math doesn't lie and numbers don't lie. Just go to the MA fighting YouTube channel and just go down, look at the views. Anything Tony Ferguson is involved in is killing it. Absolutely killing it. His media scrum is like a half a million views right now. Him just staring down Michael Chandler, faking an ankle pick has like well over 200,000 views right now. Tony Ferguson, without question, is the star of UFC 274 Fight Week, and it's not even close. He is so far ahead of everybody else. That's what makes this fight really interesting, and I like that Tony Ferguson is so loose. He doesn't look like he's frazzled. He doesn't look frustrated. It's been, This week has been Tony Ferguson's Festivus. It's a Festivus for the rest of us. He's got the poll, the Festivus poll, he went to the media day, had his airing of grievances. And on Saturday, Festivus isn't over until Michael Chandler pins him. So for Tony Ferguson, he doesn't want Festivus to end. Maybe Festivus goes on for a long time. And I'm very curious what happens if Tony Ferguson wins this fight. If Tony Ferguson can get out of that first round and extend this thing and go to the late rounds, go to round three, fight gets real interesting. And if he somehow goes in there and stops Mike, Michael Chandler like in round three, I'm very curious to see where he goes. As much as the UFC might not be a fan of him right now for the things he was saying, they also understand that they are running a business. And if Tony Ferguson is a top five most popular fighter on their roster, which clearly the numbers say that he is, how can you ignore that? What kind of fights would he be up for? Or they could just be jerks and throw, <laughs> and just throw him in there with like Islam Makachev or something. But nobody wants to see that. So that's a really interesting fight. Plus 290, I mean, I can't lay, I could never lay minus 380 on Michael Chandler. 
No offense. I like Michael a lot. I could never be confident laying minus 380 on Michael Chandler, but I don't know. I don't know. Definitely the most interesting fight. Like, the main event's fantastic. Stylistically, I'm super intrigued. I think it's a super close fight. But in terms of, like, outside of the the two title fights, I mean, this isn't really going out on a limb here, but I'm so fascinated by more more Ferguson than Chandler by a long shot. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Let's get another Mike in here. Mike Lawson. Perhaps. Hi, Mike. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Hey, Mike. Heck of a morning. Two, Indeed. Two quick things for you this morning. Uh, I wanted to know how what your actual pick was in the Justin Gagey Charles Oliveira fight. And sorry about that, it was GPS. And the second thing is I'd like to know your take on uh the Rob Font uh Cheeto Vera. I heard many, many shots and many takes, uh people comparing Rob Font saying that he's actually um outscoring him and outlanding him and everything like that. But, I mean, a perfect example was at the end of the fight when you looked at both of their faces. I mean, Cheeto didn't have skin. And I heard your one of your takes, and you said that, you know, he had freakishly leather skin. I don't think that's the shot. I think Rob, Rob Font was just hitting him with little pillow pads. Um, that's the same thing almost with, like, with Jose Aldo. Um you know, he outlanded him, but again, at the end of the fight, I mean, Jose was a little beat up, but nowhere near, like, all these other fights, how Rob Font's been looking at the end of it, so, um, just wanted to hear your pick, and actually your take on seeing if he's a gatekeeper, you know, maybe it's a little bit early to be calling him that, but looking at the top five of the bantamweights now, I don't see anyone that he could beat right there, and, you know, at the spot that he's at, I think he's ranked at seven, a little bit, you know, below him. Those are pretty good fights. I'd actually be interested on in seeing him run it now with uh, with Dominic Cruz, uh, possibly for his next fight after he's taken a good long break off. Uh, like to hear your picks. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Um, yeah, the Oliver Gaethje one, I, I will admit. 
This one has me torn up. I've lost hours of sleep this week thinking about that fight because I know at some point I'm going to have to choose a side, whether it be on the weigh-in show or the preview show. Um, as of right now, 8.23 a.m. Eastern time, I'm leaning towards Charles Oliveira. But that could change very quickly. It's just one of those fights where it is super close. And, yeah, I don't know. Because I just like it's just one of those ones where you see lanes, and each lane has sort of an obvious answer. Charles Oliveira starts landing takedowns on Justin Gaethje. He's going to win. He's going to win. He's going to submit Justin Gaethje. He's going to retain the title. If he cannot get takedowns, and this fight stays on the feet, as good as a striker, as proven of a striker, and as explosive of a striker as Charles Oliveira has shown to be. Over his d- during this long win streak he's on, he does not want to go leather to leather with Justin Gaethje for all that long, because nobody does. That's just not a good strategy. Now there's certain fighters who are just like throw strategy out the window. You don't think I can knock this guy out? Watch what I do. I don't recommend that, and I don't think Charles Oliver is necessarily going to do that. Although I do think he's going to get into some wild exchanges because he doesn't have to worry about Justin Gaethje trying to take him down. Justin Gaethje has to worry about Charles Oliveira trying to take him down. Now, this is not going to be one of those fights where, and we can't compare Oliveira's wrestling to Habib's wrestling because they're just, I mean, it's not even a close thing. Habib's wrestling was so much better. But Oliveira does have some good offensive wrestling tendencies. He does things very well. So I like the fight. I like a lot about it. It's very interesting, and I have no idea what's going to happen. So TBD on the official pick. Which reminds me, watch the weigh-in show, which I probably still won't have a, a side yet. Uh, but definitely watch the preview show at 3 p.m. Eastern, and I'm going to have to have one by then. The Fontvera thing, listen, there have been there have been many examples of <laughs> there have been many examples of guys getting punched in the face a lot and not really being marked up. Max Holloway against Calvin Cater is a perfect example. Calvin Cater took a record amount of shots in that fight. But he also landed the most strikes he's ever landed in his career in that fight to that point. And Max Holloway didn't even really look like he was in a fight. There are certain guys who just wear it well. Rob Font certainly is not that guy. Marlon Vera clearly is. Rob was hitting him with some good shots in that fight. It's not like that. Yes, there is some certain like Diazness to him where he's just, let's just land punches and bunches and things like that and not, you're not throwing 100 miles an hour. But Font was landing on him. Bond was definitely landing on him, but Vera's a freak. He is a freak. And he's a he's a bad man. There's something to that. Like, how frustrating must that have been for Rob Fawn? You do this one thing so well. Everybody knows you do it so well. Marlon knows you do it so well. And he gets right into the thick of it with you. And he just absorbs everything you do so well. Not only was he absorbing them, he was smiling. And not like a, hey, you got me. I'm just pretending like it didn't hurt smile. He's throwing the, this rules. Do it again, dude. Because all you're doing is making me mad. Kind of smile. And then he's dancing. He's pretending to surf in there. Like, how frustrating is that? You're hitting this guy with 200 strikes, and he's just smiling, and he's dancing. That's got to be the most frustrating thing in the world. So, 
I don't know if I'm ready to call Font a gatekeeper. Um, I think Rob, what Rob Font has done this year or over the last few years has been pretty remarkable. And I'm not just saying that as a New England guy. He had some big wins. He was in a really good spot. He beat Jose Aldo. He, he might have been fighting for the title. Like, that's how, that's how close he was. That's how close. Let me pull up the, not the rankings that truly matter, but the UFC rankings. Uh, Rob Font, number seven. So let's see who he could fight. Cruz is interesting. I would like to, I mean, Cruz Vera would be a lot of fun. Let's just do Cruz Frankie Edgar at this point. Like, I, I know a lot of people want to see Jose Aldo, Dominic Cruz. I, I mean, it would be cool. Like, I'm not going to complain about it. I'm just not as high on that one right now as, as a lot of people are. Like, I'm in, sure, but not my first choice for Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo should be fighting TJ Dillashaw or he should be fighting for the title. That's, that's it. The Dominic Cruz fight will always be there. Not always, but you, Dominic Cruz doesn't seem like a guy who's going to retire anytime soon. Like, I bet we get two or three more years of Dominic Cruz. Jose Aldo doesn't win the title. That fight's there. And if he does win the title, celebration time. A lot of people are going to be happy. I think the fight for Rob Font is, after some time off, is Song Yidong. That one works for me. Sean O'Malley would be a good one if he beats Pedro Munoz. Because Sean's not the most active guy. We're not going to see Sean fight every three months. So... If Sean beats Pedro Munoz, gets a finish, he can call out Fab Rant again. And that's one that would make sense. Jack Shore would make sense. It's got to be a step back for Rob, but I definitely want to see some time on the sidelines. And I know with the team he is on, with the New England cartel, and he's got Tyson Chardier there, Tyson's going to make sure he takes his time. Tyson's going to make sure that they go to the PI and they get the brain tested and all those things are done correctly. He's going to do that. So Font is going to be in no rush to come back. And I hope he, I hope he takes all the time he needs. I'll be shot. I mean, if we see him in December, cool. I would prefer we don't see him until like next year. Cause he's taken a beating in two straight fights. The Jose Aldo fight, this fight in particular, some, some pretty vicious beatings. His face looks like hamburger meat. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I know Ricky Simone is one of that rematch, but I don't I just don't know if that happens. I don't think they're gonna give Rob anybody ahead of him right now. Unless like no one fights Marab. Because Rob's not gonna say no to Marab. He'll fight anybody. Even Marab. But I don't even know if that fight how much that fight does for Marab. That would be a good hashtag. Hashtag Marab Rob. Right, AK? Huh? Huh? What do you think? All right, so it's 8.30. Oh, Matt, come on in. Come on in. You're in and then you're out. It's a free, this is your show, people. Don't make me, don't make me go on the Suhudo rant. I'll do it. I will do it. So funny story, and, and just to show you that I'm not afraid to do any of these kinds of things. I used to host a karaoke show. I used to host many karaoke shows before I got into this side of the business. And I went to one show that I hosted in Waltham, Massachusetts. And it was at a bar that you wouldn't think had karaoke because it was kind of like, kind of shysty. Kind of the kind of place uh, you didn't expect karaoke to happen. Some, 
some leather cuts, if you will. So I'm doing this karaoke, and there's people there, and no one singing. So I went up as the host, and I sang Rapper's Delight for nine minutes and change. And it was horrendous. It was so bad. And I threatened that I would sing that song over and over again until somebody came up and sang. Within seconds, people were singing. And then they sang the rest of the night. So don't test me, people. Don't do it. Let's get Kevin in here. Picture the dog will get me every single time. Kevin, what's up, buddy? Hey, what's up, Mike? Good morning. Heck of a morning to you. Um, Indeed. Hey, so I was just curious to get your thoughts. Uh, I watched Tony's uh, like press conference yesterday. He was really seemed to be coming at Dana and the brass of the UFC. Just wanted to get your thoughts on that and see if there will be any retaliation or if you've heard if Dana's responded at all. Kevin, thank you very much. Um, listen, we're going to, this is not, all I'm going to say is get used to it because this ain't going to be the first time. It ain't going to be the last. We're going to be hearing more of this. I don't know if there's, I'm not surprised. And we'll see. Dana wasn't at the press conference yesterday. Didn't get his chance to respond. I'm sure we will hear more from him on Saturday after the event. Maybe we won't. Who knows? Maybe he's just that angry. But no Dana at the presser. John Anik looking like $10 million once again up there doing the damn thing. I hope John Anik is making like $10 million a year doing what he does because that man deserves it. Um, we'll see how Dana responds. If you watch Between the Links, we had Jed and Ben Duffy give their Dana impression about like how he would respond to that question. Of course, Dana doesn't show up at the press conference, but he wasn't in Jacksonville either. So maybe he's just like, nah, I'm not going to do the press conference anymore. I'm just going to just gonna hold off. I'll take another day. He can do whatever he wants. He's got a floppity jillion dollars. Uh, so we'll see. But good on Tony. He's free. He's loose. And he wants to say what he's going to say. There he is. The man with the best theme song in MMA. New York Rick, good morning. Are you there, sir? I'm here. I'm here. There he is. Hi, buddy. You can hear me? I can. Oh, okay. It says my mic is off. That's why I was confused. Um, it was. It was like going in and going out. It was thanks weird. Thanks for having me on, as always. Uh, two quick things. I just want to say, thinking about UFC 274, I get that you're torn on the Oliveira Gaethje fight. It seems like many are, uh, but I want to. I want to help you make a decision here. I want to help bring you to the side of the underdog, Justin Gaethje, by just pointing out. I know the stats um, are there for Charles Oliveira's offensive wrestling, but I think if you watch the fights, you'll kind of see that he's not. Um, somebody who's shooting across the cage for takedowns. He's not somebody who's really aggressive with that. And if he was, quite frankly, I think Justin Gaethje would be able to sprawl those. Um, I don't think he's going to be out there spamming and trying to take it to the ground. I really think this is going to play out in, in Justin Gaethje's favor and be in a zone and be in a realm uh, where he's able to initiate the offense. Um, and then with Tony Ferguson, I know that's one where you were kind of teasing maybe a little bit of a, of a look at the underdog. Um, I'll caution you just to say, Hey, look back at even like, I know it's been a long time since he won, but even look back at those wins. It's, it's Cowboy Cerrone. It's Anthony Pettis. It's Kevin Lee. It's been a long time since Tony Ferguson has beaten anybody who's having any current success. And that would probably be the RDA fight. So 
Um, it's it's been rough sledding for Tony. Um, I, I, you know, wish him the best. I, it would be great to see him get a win here, but I'd caution against even thinking that that he has much of a chance here against Michael Chandler. And then lastly, you open this can of worms, so I will have to humbly request that we get a little bit of rapper's delight now karaoke um, to wrap this thing up. Uh, I'm having too much fun here in New York, Rick, so I can't do that. Uh, we got, we got people requesting, so, uh, we don't need to do that. I'm not like, here's the thing about Gaethje Oliveira. I don't think, I don't think Oliveira is going to be shooting from across the moon to land takedowns. I think things are eventually going to get against the fence where Oliveira is, is a very strong guy. If he wants to get this to the fence, he can. And that's when I think he could go for his takedowns. And that's where I think he could be effective. Uh, I think he could answer Justin Gaethje's leg kicks a little bit as well. Maybe that gets him off balance. He could set some, some things up. I don't think Charles Oliveira is going in there looking to land 17 takedowns tomorrow. I think he's going to obviously use his striking to get there. I think he's going to get in close. And I think when action gets to the fence, there's a very good chance we see Charles Oliveira go for takedowns. I don't think he's going to be going all out for them. But again, what I, what I find so interesting about Charles Oliveira's offense is that he has zero fear of getting taken down. Zero. Like, look at his, look at the way he strikes. He's upright. He literally has zero fear. He has to focus on basically one thing, offense. And, vo- and some defense, too, but not defensive wrestling. He has to worry about, like, just defensive, st- just d- striking defense. It's a pretty, that's a pretty powerful tool. That is some straight-up G confidence right there. It's like, this guy does not have, this guy has, does not, is never going to take me down. But it's still an interesting fight. Again, I'm 50-50. I'm torn. It's just a matter of if this fight goes to the ground. If this fight gets to the ground, more, more than once, Oliver is going to win and he's going to smith Justin Gaethje. If it doesn't happen, I think we all know what's going to happen. It's super close. Clearly, the betting values on Justin Gaethje, and this is without question. Listen to uh, Jed and GC's new podcast, by the way, No Bets Barred. Uh, they talk about this fight in depth. Lots of... Uh, Lots of opportunity here. If you're going to take Gaethje at dog money, take it. And then if you're going to take Gaethje at dog money, just go for the the TKO prop, the KO TKO prop. It's there. And then Jed even suggested you could hedge with the Charles Oliveira submission prop. So you could be at plus money uh, in multiple ways in this fight. But the value, the betting value is clearly with Justin Gaethje, especially in a fight that's this close. Clearly with Justin Gaethje. Ferguson fight. Listen, my official pick is probably going to be Michael Chandler. But who knows? I like Tony's mindset. I think mindset means a lot more in this sport than a lot of other people do. And I like where he's at right now. But he's in a spot where... Here's the thing. And it's, this is not a knock on Chandler because he's a super exciting fighter. But if Ferguson wants to make this his fight and the crowd gets behind it, Chandler's going to do that. Chandler's going to be all in. Like if, Chan- if Ferguson does something, he's like, let's do this. And the fans erupt and they stand and cheer. Chandler's going to be like, okay, let's do it. I'm not here for a long time. I'm here for a good time. Straight to the top. Let's go. So it just depends. Will Chandler fall into a Ferguson trap of just, let's make the fans happy and get into a, because I mean, the Justin Gaethje fight, it was not supposed to happen like that. It was supposed to be really good, but it wasn't supposed to be that. But Chandler got caught up in the moment, and Chandler gets caught up in the moment. Can he do it again? We'll see. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hip hop. Hibbity hibbity hip hip hoppy. You don't stop. Patrick, what's up, man? Mike. Yo. I said a hip. What's up, fuckers? <laughs> what's going on, man? <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, Tony Ferguson, I think all real fight fans right now are really rooting for him to just kind of ca- recapture a little bit of what we love about him in the, in the octagon. Um, especially... This, um, you know, this week, all the press stuff, like he's going against the ultimate company man in Michael Chandler. And so it's, it's, uh, Tony Ferguson is the type of character that is amazing in the UFC. The people that, that, um, I think the fans really like is someone whose personality is turned up to 11, you know, but Tony's like such a weirdo that he's already at 11. So he's turned up to like 13, but it's not like it's not fabricated, you know. That's um, and I guess Chandler's a little bit the same. Like he's just kind of a corny, cheesy goofball everyman, and then he turns that that up to eleven as well. So maybe you know, I think he's doing he's doing good with his um, with his character too. But um, yeah, I, I just really want to see Tony win. I just want to put that out there into the universe. Um, I'll tell you, mother heckers, and I got a couple other things. Um, <laughs> Uh, I just wanted to say, yeah, in the beginning when, um, like the Gaethje, uh, Ferguson fight was so brutal, man. Like at first I loved the empty arenas and the apex center because you got to pick up on all of it. You could hear the coaches so clear. Like remember Devin Clark's dad, you could just, it's like, yeah, you know, you had that raspy voice and you could picked up on a lot of things that you didn't hear. And so it was fascinating. But the, in the in the octagon um, violence, it was almost too much. It was so uncomfortable. You could hear people kind of um, like uh, Glover when he was putting the beat down on Anthony Smith. You know, he was like apologizing to him. You know, he was like, "I'm sorry, man." Like, and uh, and you could just hear all that stuff. It, it was crazy. Um, and uh, the contender series. I, I also really love the contender series. Um, and the guy who's fighting on this card that I've been talking up to some of my friends is uh, Clayton Rodriguez. Um, he had the fight against um, the kid from Staten Island. Um, 
I think was a CFFC champ, but uh, he is nasty. He has a nastiness about him in that fight where he is almost kind of like a Marlon Vera thing, you know, like he, he just controlled the range so well, like he fought so long for the flyweight weight class. And when he connected, it was just like, you could tell that he broke the spirit of, um, of that dude he was fighting. And, uh, I mean, that dude had heart, he fought the whole time he, he didn't, he didn't get finished, but, um, uh, just wanted to put, put it out there that, uh, that I think that that kid's, um, going to be something good in that division and that flyweight division just kind of keeps getting, uh, injected with, with new talent. And, uh, also Oliveira, I think Oliveira is going to win. Um, I think he has more paths to victory and there's no way that in some of the exchanges that happen, like Justin Gaethje kind of falls back as much as Trevor Whitman tries to get him out of the brawler mentality in a fight, you kind of go back to what is in your heart. And Gaethje is like, you know, a brawler at heart and he's going to get inside, want to go into some dirty boxings, throw some uppercuts and Oliver is going to grab him. Uh, at some point it's inevitable. Oliver is just going to grab him and he's just going to big brother him. Like he's done to everyone in, in the last few fights, man. No one has looked as dominant on the ground since Khabib, in my opinion. And so the Islam Oliver fight is, uh, going to be very interesting, and then we'll see if maybe he can beat Benil, and then he'll just be the Ali killer. He's just going to kill, all, like, line up all of Ali's lightweights, and just Oliveira is just going to become a legend. So that's my Fired Up Friday. There you go, man. Patrick, thank you very much. Very spirited. Uh, I enjoy that. Here's the, just to briefly go on the Tony Ferguson thing. Win or lose, I just want to see the man go in there and have a fun, competitive fight. I want to see him win a round or at least be competitive in a round. That's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking for those two guys to just get after it. Just get after it. Have a fun fight. I think we're all just looking forward to a fun fight. I just don't want to see Michael Chandler just run him over. Be great for Michael Chandler, of course, but I just want to see Ferguson in there, competitive, have his moments. Just a good-spirited fight, you know? That's what I want to see. And I have a question for all of you. Back to Rapper's Delight. Have you, have you ever went over a friend's house to eat and the food just ain't no good? I mean, the macaroni's soggy and the peas are mushed and the chicken tastes like wood. What do you do? That's a conundrum. Matt, what's up, buddy? Um, what do you think about um, this whole Max Holloway and uh, Volk 3? Like, what do you really do with Max when he loses in this third fight? And then, wow. you know what? I also do want to say, if you really just take Henry Cejudo's face and all of his antics out of it, I am excited as heck to get this man back in the octagon because I honestly think he's great to watch when you take his personality out of it. Thank you, Matt. You have done it. You have, you, you have hit the trigger word, and we will we'll get to that in a moment. Just so I can clarify things that I've been saying already because I've, I've been hearing about this quite a bit. Anyways, um, yeah, it's. I'm just getting right into it. I don't even remember what your first question was because you said the trigger word. It's like Pee Wee's Playhouse, and they say the magic word, and everyone starts screaming. That's where we are right now. 
I'll remember the first question as I go into this. Let me just say about Henry Cejudo. If this man comes back and fights, I will be very happy about that. I think he's that good. His resume is tremendous. The guy can scrap his ass off. He just annoys me, and that doesn't take part in anything. I just don't care. Until he actually fights, I don't care. Until he fights somebody realistic in his wheelhouse right now. Now, if he's in Bellator, if this is Bellator, he's fighting for the title right away. Okay? He's fighting for the title right away. But this isn't Bellator. This is the UFC. This is business. And as much as Henry thinks he's like a $2 million, $2 million pay-per-view buy draw, he's just not. He just isn't. He's not at all. He's not even close. But if Henry comes back and fights a Cheeto Vera, fights a Marab, fights somebody in the top five, earns his title shot that way, I will come on this show and I will praise Henry Cejudo. I will write a poem about him. I will write a poem about Henry Cejudo on this program. If he just goes in and fights somebody, it's going to be a very short poem, by the way, maybe a haiku. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, show me something. Show me something. I know you're good. I know your resume is fantastic. Stop talking. Just go fight. Go fight somebody. You're not fighting for the tight for either belt right now. Okay? Featherweight is gone. Never. It's not never going to happen. It's not happening right now. And you're probably not getting the Sterling fight. You're like third or fourth in line right now. Go fight somebody else. You just need one win. You just need one win. Go fight Rob Font. Go fight anybody. Just get one win and you get a title shot. But you've got to get that one win. And thank you, New York, Rick. Volkanovski Holloway. That I mean, my gosh, coming out just throwing throwing hammers at Max Holloway. Yeah, I don't know. Go fit. If Max Holloway doesn't beat Volkanovski, I mean, if it's a close fight, just run it back again. I know New York Rick can agree with that. We have the two best featherweights in the world. We want to do a best of seven? Let's give Max another chance to, to win four straight and win the best of seven. I can watch those two guys fight a thousand times. But if Volkanovski goes in there and does what he did to the Korean zombie, I mean, that's just ridiculous. That's just ridiculous. We're talking about I think I think right now Volko is I think we have number three pound for pound in our rankings. If he goes out there and just massacres Matt Hub, Max Holloway, we're having a different conversation. It's a him and Usman conversation for sure, and I think we're already having that conversation. We're we're definitely in the beginning stages of that conversation. But I love that fight. I had somebody ask me the other day, "Why is Volkanovski taking this fight besides being a badass?" What do you mean, why? It's the bi- it's the biggest fight for him by far right now. It's the biggest fight. Who else is he going to fight? This is the one. This is it. So do it. Go fight him. You got two wins over him. You're going to be on International Freaking Fight Week. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. You're probably going to be the co-main event to Israel Adesanya on one of the big cards of the year. This is a great spot for, for Volkanovski. And there's hype around this one. I cannot wait to see it. I do feel Volkanovski won the first two fights. I thought the first one, there's no question at all. There's no debate. Second one, there's a debate. It's one of the closest fights you will ever, ever see. And is one of the most underrated fights in the history of the UFC. It does not get enough love and attention. It really doesn't. That fight is so good. That is about as good of a fight as you will ever see. 
in terms of just competitive fighting. This is not J- this is not Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler, but it is high level chess match MMA at its finest. And I highly recommend you go back and watch that fight again. Keep the scoring out of it. If you're a Max Holloway fan and you're just still dying on that hill, fine. But just go watch the fight for just as for how good it is, because it deserves better. That should be that should be a Hall of Fame fight. That's how close that fight was in my eyes. Ahid, what's up, buddy? Long time no speak. It's an afternoon here, but how you doing? Wonderful, my man. Thank you for uh, for chiming in. What you got? Couple things. Uh, all right. So, Justin Gaethje is an arrogant, entitled hypocrite. It's funny, right? Like he's <laughs> uh, he's at the media day. He's talking about how Charles Oliveira is a coward. Uh, it's funny, right? Like his he says, "What do you say? Like, once a quitter, he said, once a coward, always a coward." Uh, he said, oh, he made the decision to quit before. He's still dying on this hill. He's still trying to beat that dead horse. And it was just crazy to me because you, he tapped against Habib, which is fine, by the way. Like I'm, I'm sure like a lot of the human population would do the same. But th- th- that's what a tap is. A tap is a, essentially you, you quit. Like That's it. You don't want to fight anymore. And and then he obviously went unconscious, but that's that's what happened. And you're either like either he's taken way too many shots to the head, or he's so self-absorbed, or it's a combination of both. Because yeah, like he's accusing Charles, making this accusation, he's made the decision to quit. Um, and like I've never quit, like from Justin, which is just not true. Secondly, he doesn't deserve. He never deserved this title shot. Like Islam Makachev had seven in a row. And it, it was, or actually had more. And it's crazy to me how, like, he, Whitman was saying on the countdown, like, oh, we should have got the title shot before Chandler. I'm just like, wait. So just because you were the last guy to get your ass kicked by Habib, that means you get a title shot. So that's like, let's give Alaya Quinter a title shot. Let's give Dustin, a, like, after just one win, too, it's like, from, there was talks of Connor getting a title shot after. Uh, at Charles or for loss and Gaethje's flipping out saying oh I'm gonna throw a dolly I'm gonna do this and I'm just like bro you don't deserve one when Markachev's sitting right there you don't you had one win you lasted the least amount of time against Habib out of all of his title fights it's crazy um so I don't get his mindset but I'm like in terms of the fight, I don't know who to pick. I had Gaethje. I- I'm still going to lean towards Gaethje, but I hope Charles gets the job done. I'll be happy to be proven wrong. Um, and the second point is about Tony uh, and Connor. Like Connor's in a hypocrite too, because like Connor's talking about how Tony ne- needs to hold himself accountable. He needs to say, "Oh, it's my fault." Like I, I need to like say it. Is it because of me? That's like, that is just rich coming from someone who surrounds himself with yes men all the time um, and just does all these stunts. And also as well, like the reason why Connor mentioned him is not because of what he said to Dana, though I might have been partially, but it was because twice uh, Tony mentioned Connor and Paradigm. He mentioned something called, and Mike, I want you to like, explain this for us, like, because I don't know as much about it, the Miller Yala Act, I, I might be pronouncing it wrong. 
Like it was about how an agent can't compete at the same sport as the same sport as you. And like paradigms corrupt. Like I don't care what anyone says. Like people talk about Ali. People talk about Graham Boylet. Like paradigm is so corrupt. Like um, Audi might be the face, but Connor pulls a lot of the strings. And uh, I know Tony was under paradigm. And I think that was, might, might, be, might have been the reason he was screwed over a little bit earlier on in his career. And that's what Tony was alluding to. And obviously, Connor just takes that so personally. Uh, you know, Connor wants to, like, that. that's what Connor was trying to bite back at. Um, yeah, it's just, like, rich coming from Connor. And it's just funny as well how all one last thing is about the fanboys. Everyone saying, oh, he lost against Oliveira. He's, you know, if Khabib came back, Khabib would smash him. Yeah, now. Yeah, now it's funny, like, everyone wants a piece of Tony now. But when, like, he was on that win streak, no one dared to mention his name. He had to wait a year. Not because, like, he refused fights. It was purely because no one wanted to fight him. Um, he had to wait for that interim title. And Kevin Lee, it's just BS, like, this whole thing with Tony. I hope Tony gets the job done. Um, he looks better. He's... Like he looks and feels better, but he was screwed by Dana and Paradigm. They're just corrupt. They tried to sue the crap out of Manny Pacquiao too. So like, yeah, screw them. And yeah, that's it. Damn, Ahid. Never messes around. Ahid always brings the uh, the flamethrowers out on this program. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not really going to... The, the way Justin Gaethje is approaching this fight, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to attack him on it. You got to say certain things. This man is getting into a cage to fight another man who is, might be the best fighter in his division. He might be the best fighter in the world. So if Justin Gaethje needs to say these things to fire himself up, so be it. You know, that's the way it is. Like sometimes like there, there have been, there have been times where I pitched in high school where I looked at a batter and he was like a cleanup hitter and he was like an all state hitter. And I told him that he sucked. Like sometimes you got to do that. I knew he didn't suck. I knew he was really good, but sometimes you got to say things to like fire yourself up. And maybe that's what Justin Gaethje needs. He was, he was also complimentary of Charles Oliver. He felt like Charles is a very tough challenge in this division. And he said, that if he goes out there and beats Charles Oliveira, it'll be the greatest accomplishment of his career. So, I mean, you could say the things you want to fire yourself up, but at the same time, he's still also putting Charles over in a way. No one does this better, by the way, than Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler is pro wrestling 101. You have confidence in yourself, but yet you put a, put over your opponent and his abilities so that if you win, it's a bigger win. And if you lose, you lost to a good guy. You can't go out and say this guy's a piece of shit and he's terrible. Because then you look like an idiot if you lose. So Chandler Chandler should teach a class on this because he's so good at it. And the Connor thing, I'm not going to get into the paradigm stuff. I will say this, though. You did make one other point. Of he, I think I think it's just Connor sees a path to victory. Connor versus Tony Ferguson would be a humongous comeback fight for him, would it not? People would care. People would be super, super invested in it one way or the other. So... Yeah, Connor's probably planting a couple of seeds. All right, we're going to take these last three calls, and we're going to get out of here. Uh, I'm going to try to get a workout in before this uh, this media day starts. Or not media day, Wayne Show. Henderson, what's up, buddy? I uh, Before you start, uh, I might uh, have a problem. Uh, I speak 
bad in English because of my disability. If anyone don't understand me, feel free to ask me to repeat the questions. So uh, my question is about Chimaya. Uh, uh, does he deserve a title shot? Uh, thank you, Henderson. Does he deserve a title shot? Um, if he fought for the belt right now, I don't think anybody would be completely upset with that. He's he's certainly done enough. Again, I'm going to go back to this again because I think this is the right idea. Because now we're seeing these fights get put together for International Fight Week. We don't know what this July 30th main event's going to be. We, it, they might headline this with Nunez versus Peña at this point. But it doesn't seem like, I mean, maybe Kamara gets back in there, but it doesn't seem like Usman's getting rushed back for one of those July cards. Can we just do my idea? My idea is so much better. Can we just stop? Let's just do what I suggest, okay? I don't think Shamayev Diaz is going to happen. Clearly, I don't think Shamayev Colby is going to happen with everything going on right now with the whole Mazadal situation and the court situation. Can we just do my idea? Let's just do Leon Edwards versus Hamzat Shemaev for the interim welterweight title. Let's just do that. It's a huge fight for both guys. Usman gets the winner. It's a glorified number one contenders fight. You're just slapping a belt on it, and you're slapping a few extra bucks at each of those paychecks, which I am always in favor of. But just think of what that win means for both guys and what it means for Usman because it's a much bigger fight. Nobody seems to care about Usman versus Leon Edwards. It's a competitive fight. It's fine. Leon has done enough to get himself an opportunity to fight for a championship. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's Usman's title. Let's just do the interim title fight. You could headline a card. You're throwing, I mean, you're just chucking title fights at the wall right now multiples on all these cards. Eventually, and the UFC runs into this from time to time, you're going to run out of shit to do. You're going to run out of title fights. Now you got one. Now you have one that you can headline an event with. And then the winner goes on and fights Kamara Usman in the unification bout. And by the way, that fight becomes much more massive. If Leon Edwards beats Hamza Chimaev, this fight with Kamara Usman becomes, I mean, a hundred times bigger. And a hundred times more intriguing. And if Shamayev wins, I mean, he somehow the hype becomes even bigger. Just do that. Let Usman take his time off. If he wants to try to get this Canelo fight, I think it's the dumbest thing in the history of combat sports. But do you. If you could somehow land that payday, good for you, Kamaru. I don't think it's happening. I don't think it's happening. But if you need time off to, to spend with your daughter, and your, your, he's the most active champion in the company right now. At least he was over the last year or so. If he wants to take some time off, he wants to come back in November, December, cool. Like, go ahead. But let's book this big fight in between. It makes all the sense. So I, I hate interim titles are mostly stupid. But in this case, it makes sense. And it's not out of disrespect to Kamara Usman. You're just making Usman more money. Because whoever wins, the fight automatically becomes bigger. If Shamayev wins, it's a massive fight. It's probably the biggest fight you can make in this division right now. And if Leon wins, 
guess what? Now that's the biggest fight you can make in this division. So let's just do that. Think outside the box a little bit. Come on now. Yes, I do think Shabayev could fight for the belt right now, and no one would be upset about it, except for Leon Edwards and his family. But that's a way to make Leon happy too. Harry, what's up, buddy? Just make sure you unmute. Hell, hey. So what do you think of Chaos versus Randy? Because like, I'm kind of like torn, like, who's going to win that? I know it's like a fight that like is like really under the, like, that no one's really talking about. I mean, it's not even like a feature, but I just want to wonder like, what are you guys thinking? Especially like, yeah. That's a great fight. I, I love Chaos Williams versus Randy Brown. It's a great fight. Right now, Chaos Williams is around a minus 120, plus 100. But that's exactly where I figured this would be lines. Figured Chaos would be the favorite. I'm leaning Randy Brown. I think he's got more ways to win this fight. I think Randy is starting to reach his potential that I've even before Randy got into the UFC, I, I felt that he had on the regional scene. I like the fight. I think Randy has enough. I think his length is going to give chaos some problems, but chaos can, can end this fight in one strike. I think Randy's learned from his losses and his losses have been, <laughs> That been pretty wild. I'll lead Randy Brown on plus money. Close fight, 50-50 fight for me. In a 50-50 fight, I'm going to lean the plus money side. So give me Randy Brown, unanimous decision. I think he gets it done in a uh, very competitive, grueling fight. And by the way, as under the radar as that fight is, Brand Royval is fighting Matt Chanel on this card. That fight freaking rules. That fight rules. I love it. Brand Royval is just chaos, and it is... Potentially, AK, the year of the Ronog. We'll take Brian and Tristan, and then we're getting out of here. Brian, what's up, What's buddy? going on, Mike? Uh, two things really quickly, I guess. Um, why don't people talk about Marab, kind of like how they talk about Islam, as kind of the possibility of being kind of a uncrowned champ possibility kind of thing? And also, what's your opinion on Eagle FC and Ali's, I guess, position there and his relationship with Khabib and it being a little bit of kind of red flaggish with his own fighters in there and his hand in the business a little bit. Just wanted to hear your opinion on those things. Uh, thank you, Brian. Yeah, man. Um, the Eagle FC thing, I mean, it is what it is. I have a, I mean, so many questions about that whole situation, but no one's stopping it. So, I mean... Nothing I could say or anybody else writes or anything like that is going to change a damn thing. But we all know what's going on. We are, we all get it. We all get it. It's another promotion. Um, there are things that I like that they do. There are things that I absolutely hate that they do. But it is what it is. We are in this spot, and we just kind of have to, to deal with it. Now, it gives other fighters the opportunity to fight. Um, clearly, some of the matchmaking is... Uh, Dominance MMA favorable. I mean, that's that's clear as day. I'm not saying anything that's uh that's a mystery here in any way, shape, or form. But yeah. Tristan, wrap us up, my man. Send us all home. right. Um, hey Mike, how's everything? Um so wonderful. All right. So I want to I need some clarification on some certain things, and plus my question here. So on June 25th, we have Armin Sarukin versus Masood Gamrock. 
I need to know. I don't know. I don't know if they're gonna make that. Do are, hey, are they gonna make that the main card on the fight? Is that gonna be? Is that gonna headline that card? Because also, um, Shaqan Rahman versus Neil Mackey's on that card. I don't think they're gonna. I, I don't think that's gonna headline the card. I'll be shocked. But or if they're gonna get another. Or they're gonna add another um, main. Uh, uh, you know, big name on that UFC Fight Night card to headline it. I want to answer on that, and then. I also want to talk. Greg Gillespie right now is now between a rock and a hard place right now because he was calling out for Tony Ferguson and or either Michael Chandler. Now I don't know, you know, with the results of that fight, I don't know if he's going to get that fight now. And he's he's probably you know left holding out in the cold. Now he's like probably left out on the cold. If I was him, I would have been in Vegas. I mean, in Arizona right now, like ready to cut the promo and be like, yo, I want the winner of this fight because he's trying to move up the rankings to try to get a title shot. You know, now he turned, I know he probably had to turn down that, he turned down that Armin Sarukin or Gamma fight because he said, he's like, I'm not fighting down. I'm not fighting down. I'm trying to get a title shot. I want to fight up. Um, if he said, if he was 24, he would have took the fight, the Sarukin or Gamma fight. But now I don't know what's going to happen. He, and he's not, you know, he's been, you know, now he's been quiet. He hasn't said anything. So he may have to take, he may have to fight down regardless. So, you know, your thoughts about that because he's he's left out on the cold in this whole thing. All right, Mike, thanks. Thank you, Tristan. Um, by the way, for Brian, I forgot to mention Marab Dwalish, really. Yeah, I think, listen, I think everyone kind of views Barab like, like Makachev-ish, but I think Makachev just fought more. Like, he just gets more fights. And people somehow, it's not that they forget about Marab, but I think people understand. Marab is just not fun to fight. I've been saying this for like four years now. No one, no one's going to be excited to fight Marab. And I know there were some certain things that came out. Uh, the Dominic Cruz thing. I think there's potentially discussion about that. Um, from what I understand, that is not the direction the UFC is currently going. I know a report came out yesterday that he's fighting Corey Sanhagen. There's absolutely no truth to that report at all. Um, so don't get too excited about that. Um, multiple people have told me there's absolutely no truth to that. So throw that I- I away as well. Um, and then to go to you, Tristan, I don't, I mean, I love Saruki on Gamrot. It's a great fight. I don't think it's a main event. I love Shavkat Rakhmata versus Neil Magny. I don't think that's going to be a main event. So what are we going to do to headline that card? Crap if I know. I have no idea. Um, I don't know. Just, let me look at the heavyweight division. Let's see what's like left there that hasn't been booked. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we're we're grasping here. So that's what that's June twenty fifth. That's a week after they travel to Austin. We get Cater versus Emmett. That's a pretty damn good main event there. And then the week after that is UFC 276, which is going to be gigantic. So we are going to have ourselves a somewhat bizarre main event. So I'm going to say I'm going to take a I'm going to take a shot in the dark here. I'm going to say we are going to get Jessica Andrade versus Marina Rodriguez. It might be too short a notice, but we're going to get something like that. That's that's going to be my guess. 
Andrade's going to turn around quick. Rodriguez wants a title shot. Although if Carlos Barza wins, yeah, I think I, you know what? That's my that's my guess. That's my guess. Because I'm looking at all these other divisions, and I don't know what the hell they're going to do. I honestly don't know what they're going to do. Looking at welterweight. Yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one. And then Greg and Gillespie. Yeah, man, he's just kind of a victim of his own circumstance. He's got that uh, Cejudo-ish vibe to him where... I don't know. Like, I get you want to shoot for the stars and hope for more. I mean, you're the number eight guy in this division right now. You want to fight up, but you got to stay active, man. Like, you got to stay active. You got to beat a Sarukian or a Gamrod. Like, that's kind of where you're at right now. I don't know what you did. He's not getting Ferguson. RDA's booked. Chandler's booked. He's not getting that fight. Maybe he gets a loser. I don't know. And everybody else is booked. Like, what do you expect? You're not getting the Connor fight. Fazeev is booked. So literally, like, the the next-ranked guy that maybe you could get is Dan Hooker, which I think Dan Hooker is kind of in a similar boat as him, but, in like, in a different way. Like, Gillespie's winning. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. He's in a tough spot. He can't be as picky. That's for damn sure. He's got to take a fight. He's got to get active. He's got to get people remembering who he is. Because not a lot of people do. It's unfortunate because he's an exciting guy. That fight with CDF was wild. But, yeah. I mean, it's going to be a hooker, Riddell kind of fight. I mean, if I were him, I would stay ready. I would stay ready. If something happens with Fazeev or RDA, I would be ready. Maybe he fights a Moicano? I don't know. I, I honestly have no idea. I don't know what they're going to do, but yeah, it's kind of in a tough spot. But listen, okay, we are done. I gave you a lot of time, and thank you for making me not just do the show by myself. Thank you for coming up with great questions. Thank you for making me not sing Rapper's Delight 14 times here, although we did have some fun with that, didn't we? And we're going to have more fun in about two and a half hours. Because the man, A.K. Lee, is going to guide us on a journey through UFC 274 weigh-ins. Guide us on a delightful journey. We're going to have fun. We're going to talk some fights. We're going to answer your questions. And we're going to see all the drama at the scales. Hopefully there is no drama. And hopefully these guys just get in, get out, make weight, and get it done. No drama. No penalties, no fines, no nothing. That's what we want. So that's noon Eastern till 2 p.m. Eastern until whatever it ends. Then we're going to take a little break, a little lunch break, if you will. 3 p.m. Eastern. It's the preview show live on the MA Fighting YouTube channel, which will be going on at the same time as Bellator 280, by the way. I'm going to be a very busy man. I'm going to have to multitask. I'm going to be watching Bellator, host of the preview show. I'm going to be doing a million things. So we're going to have a lot going on here. MAFighting.com. Stay with us. We got you covered. And if you missed the early portions of this show, you're going to catch it. You'll be able to catch it on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network probably within the next 25 minutes. So thank you all very much. Enjoy the rest of your morning, and we will see you at noon Eastern, MMA Fighting YouTube channel, 
for the live UFC 274 weigh-in show. I am Mike Heck. Have a heck of a morning, everybody. Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.